Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio.
and they decided to come, and they, they ended up taking all the kids. Now, like I said, the 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 actual news or uh, the information about this was kind of scarce. Maybe there's something else involved in it too. But regardless, that was one of the things they were looking at. Was yeah, was he actually using this mineral supplement? And you can find uh, hundreds of articles every single day about uh, the government forcing people to use uh, what they consider to be approved methods uh, of medical treatments, uh, everything. Uh, the, uh, the government coming in and destroying uh, or stopping people from selling eggs because they apparently weren't uh, approved by the USDA, uh, uh, on and on. Now, I understand that there has to be some form of uh, uh, of making sure that the food that we eat, the, the you know, the stuff that we drink, that these things are safe. But I think that it has also gotten way out of hand. Uh, I think that, uh, that of course, the, the nature of government is for it to continue to grow and expand and to control every aspect of their lives. And I I think we're well on the way to that point now. All right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to leave that be. But uh, tonight we're going to talk about a couple of things. We're going to talk about <clears throat> composting scale gardening. And if you remember last week we were talking, uh, we, we started talking about this and uh, I wanted to talk more in depth tonight about composting because when we were talking last week about getting your garden ready, because it's, that's what time of the year it is. It's time to start uh, moving things along so that you can have your your garden ready uh, to plant as soon as the weather warms up in in your particular area. You can go to the uh, you can Google this very easily. You can Google uh, zones, find out what zone you're in, what when they consider it to be safe for you to plant, you can use the uh, uh, Farmer's Almanac, which, uh, you know, I, I think is, an, is a fantastic uh, publication. The Farmer's Almanac, you can usually pick those up uh, in most of their bookstores and stuff like that, and uh, they contain a wealth of information that uh, you, you may not find in a lot of other places. But composting is one of the it's gonna be one of the main ingredients in in maintaining uh a living and healthy garden. <clears throat> we talked last week about how you would use compost uh to help uh correct any deficiencies in the soil, make sure that your soil is uh is uh, an arable, uh, healthy, active soil, <clears throat> getting the right mixtures for it, getting the right pH and stuff for your soil for your particular plants that you're growing. And <clears throat> let's let's talk tonight about how to get the compost because you can use uh, commercial uh, fertilizers, uh, in your garden, I mean, you can do that. People do it all the time. Just don't 
it, it doesn't address uh, all of the things that composting does. Uh, commercial fertilizers don't. They they don't do anything to help the soil become uh, more friable, more aerial, <clears throat> arable. Uh, they don't do anything about uh, uh, about helping to make the soil more healthy, make it more alive. And when I say alive, I mean actually living, actually being a uh, a, a living chunk of soil that is filled with uh, with earthworms and springtails and microbes and, and beneficial bacteria and fungi uh, and compost will. And your garden is no different than your own body as far as you're going to get out of it what you put into it, okay? If you if you are working to keep your soil uh, healthy and active and alive by adding compost to it, then the product that you're going to get out is going to benefit from that, and you're going to benefit from eating the healthy fruits and vegetables that you uh, that you harvest from your garden, okay? All right, uh, we talked a little bit about it, uh, about composting last week, but we just barely touched on it. Uh, and there's, there's several methods of composting. First of all, composting is just, uh, it's a method of, uh, of breaking down and decomposing the matter. And uh, and everything that you put into the compost pile is going to affect what comes out of it, <clears throat> and uh, and the way that you make it is going to determine uh, how soon it's ready or uh, the uh, the composition of the compost. The uh, the fastest way uh, to produce good uh, compost and, and good carb compost is really it's just a uh it's a rich uh humus and the the, the fastest way to produce this is by creating uh, what they call a hot or an active compost pile the reason it's called hot is because the decomposition of materials in the uh, the pile are actually producing energy and and causing the temperature of the pile uh, to increase, and this is something you want. You'd like uh, you'd like the the pile to reach, and, and you can make a hot pile that can go all the way up to 160 degrees, uh, right around 140 degrees or so is going to be best. And it's called it's called hot and active. And the way it's active is that heat that is produced by the decomposing material is actually cooking the uh, uh, the, the, bio- the biological matter that you're putting in the pile. It's actually cooking it. And when it does cook it, and when it does keep that temperature up around uh, 140 degrees, then you're actually killing the uh, things like the seeds in there, especially weed seeds and stuff like that. Because the last thing you want to do is is make a pile of compost and, and spread that to your garden and have it be filled with weed seeds so that you have a 
So you have a, a, a nice active weed garden inside your vegetable garden. But if you get the temperature up, uh, it's going to uh, cause those seeds uh, uh, to become uh, unviable. And it's also going to kill any of the disease-causing uh, organisms within that pile. And there can be harmful bacteria in the pile, things like, uh, you know, when you have the, when you're adding manure to your compost pile, it's going to have E. coli in it. And you want to make sure that you've got, uh, that you've raised the temperature uh, in the compost pile up high enough that it's going to kill the weed seeds and it's going to kill all of the uh, uh, the disease-causing organisms in the pile, okay? Uh, a good compost pile, uh, in order for it to have enough material in it uh, for it to, to get hot, needs to be, uh, at minimum, a uh, three-foot cube, all right? It needs to be at least a three-foot cube of material. And normally, whenever I'm working in an active hot pile, I usually run uh, at four feet because that's just the that's the size of, of the uh, the pallets that I use for the uh, for the framework of it. But that's also a good a good enough size that I can keep a good hot active group of uh, 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 biological material uh, and uh, and keep it hot. That's sort of the way that I do it, is I'll have two to three of the four-foot size spaces side by side. And uh, you can use uh, 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 old pallets as your framework, or you can put in posts, uh, whatever you want to do. But it's also it's best to make sure that there is plenty of air that can get to the pile, uh, you know, even through the sides. So if you want to use something like... Uh, uh, chicken wire, or uh, you can even use stuff like old chain link fence wire, stuff like that, for three sides of it. And then, then on the front, if you'll just build yourself a, a simple little frame that you can slide some uh, uh, 1x4s or 1x6s into or something like that as you're building the pile, and you can just keep adding the boards, you know. <clears throat> and that also allows you to access the pile with your shovel or your, uh, I use a uh, uh, a turning rake uh, to to keep the pile turning because you want you want it to uh, to spin up and to generate heat and start decomposing. But you need to make sure that you're moving the material from the outside to the inside so that you're getting a nice uh, even decomposition during this whole thing. All right. So what you'll do is you'll take the and usually you can use, uh, the best thing to do is like to make an even uh, mixture of one part of like really high carbon type materials. This can be uh, uh, leaves, twigs, uh, you know, woody stems, uh, corn cobs, uh uh, people uh, will sometimes will even add in some shredded newspaper, uh, but you want things that are pretty much, uh, pretty much dried already, and uh, and that have some substance to them. And then one part, 
that is a uh, uh, like a high nitrogen uh, bearing material. It's like green stuff, like uh, green uh, grass clippings, uh, vegetable pieces that you don't use. You know, potato uh, peelings from your from your table, uh, uh, uneaten. Uh, you know. Uh, Stuff that you didn't eat, you know, if you have any vegetables left over that you didn't eat for dinner and they've gone bad or they're going bad, add them to the compost pile. Uh, Any of the weeds that you pull, uh, any of the kitchen scraps, but but the thing you need to remember when you're using kitchen scraps is the, uh, you don't put any meat, any dairy, any fat, anything like that into the compost pile. Those should be going to your to your dogs or, or your or your hogs if you have them. Uh, keep them out of the compost pile because they can uh, they can kind of like poison it, and the fats and stuff are going to cause uh, it will cause it not it will interfere with the uh, decomposition. When you put the stuff in, I start off like I said I'll have several side by side, and uh, I'll start off at the first one. And I'll usually put uh, the uh, uh, you know the high carbon stuff on the bottom. Like if I got if I pick up all a, a bunch of twigs and stuff out of the yard, and, uh, I'll pile them on the bottom because that helps it to drain and uh, helps keep the air uh, accessing the pile. And uh, you know you can use you can use even fairly large uh, you know twigs and branches. Just bust them up real good. The smaller the pieces are the easier and faster they decompose. If you put a chunk of wood in there that's a, you know, a two-inch uh, thick branch, it's going to take it a while to decompose. And if you put in these, uh, the pencil size, uh, uh, they're going to go a lot faster. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, uh, Once you've got that layer down, uh, then you're going to add... Uh, uh, like a, a layer of soil, and I've just got uh, some. Uh, I, I've just harvested a, a bunch of a uh, pile of uh, like sandy loam, and I just keep it piled there, ready to add in to the to the compost pile. And then you can add uh, like uh, between uh, two and four inches of the green stuff, the high nitrogen stuff, and then a layer of soil, then a layer of the carbon. Keep doing this until you until you, the pile eventually reaches uh, two to three feet uh, in height, all, all, the way, all the way to the top of the pile. Now it's pointed, so it's not I'm not I'm not piling it solidly flush from side to side. But the top of the pile will run up to about uh, the top of the the sides of the uh, pallets of the old pallet. So the the point of the pile, the top, will be about uh, 48 inches, and then uh, the once you've got uh, once you start putting this stuff in there, you want to make sure that it stays uh, stays moist. Now you don't want it wet. You don't want it to be soaking wet because that will inhibit the decomposition. Uh, but you, it needs to be moist. About like a about like a you know a sponge. If you wrung the sponge out. Uh, you know, it's 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 going to be a bit damp. That's about how you want the material in the the compost pile. Uh, you also need to make sure that there is 
that the pile has access to air. And you can do that by, like I said, make sure that the, the material you're using for your frame, that it allows air to access the pile. And then if need be, you can, uh, uh, I've got a uh, an old shovel handle that is sharpened. And I just, uh, I'll poke a deep hole into the pile with that. Some people have uh, uh, pipes. They'll have old links of pipe or something uh, that they'll shove into the pile. And that lets air get down into the pile uh, decomposition. <clears throat> now, it would be helpful to you to make sure that you're checking the temperature of the pile because you don't want you don't want it to get uh, to max out uh, and get as hot as it possibly could, uh, and you don't want it to stay under the beneficial temperatures where it needs to be, uh, somewhere in the 110 to 140 degree range. It's going to be what you're shooting for. So if you grab yourself a uh, you know a kitchen like a meat thermometer or something like that. And every so often, check the the uh, temperature of the interior of the pile and make sure that you're staying up in that range and you'll be good to go. Uh, if you find out that uh, that it's not heating up to the point that you want, uh, then you're going you're gonna to need to add uh, m- some more green material because that's where you're going to get your the the bulk of the energy for the decomposition, you know, in the form of uh, you know some more uh, green grass clippings, uh, uh, you know, fresh uh, fresh green stuff, uh, and then uh, and maybe some organic fertilizer, and uh, and then keeping it moist. Now and then, uh, once a week or so, uh, as the as the center of the pile starts to cool down, because what's happening is it's you know it'll heat up in the process of decomposition. It'll start raising those temperatures. Then once the decomposition has occurred, it's going to start cooling back down. And you want to keep that that temperature, that engine running at a pretty at a pretty even clip. And the way you'll do that is by by alternating the stuff that's on the outside, moving those things to the center by turning it. And uh, like I said, you can do that by uh, by taking your your turning fork or your spade and uh, opening the pile up and and sliding the stuff that's on the outside into the center and rearranging it. Uh, if you've got a really big pile already, you can take uh, one of the reasons I've been, I'll have three side by side is I'll, sometimes I'll take one and just move it uh, right over the top into the empty bin next to it, and that will completely turn it upside down and uh, and give me a chance to work all of the material that was on the outside into the center. Now, if you start getting a uh, if you start getting a bad odor from you know, there will be there will be a slight uh, smell that the that the compost pile produces. I mean, it should be, but it shouldn't be foul. It shouldn't smell. Uh, like uh, you know, like like food that's gone bad, right? Because if that happens, then you've got a problem inside the pile. And uh, if you start smelling something, then uh, go ahead and 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 move the pile. You know, change it, flip it over. Uh, and while you're doing that, you know, be be looking at the stuff that you're moving 
make sure that it didn't get any, uh, you know, a chunk of meat in there or, you know, something that that is not going to break down, that's going to, uh, that's going to get rot, all right? So make sure that you're, uh, Make sure that you're paying attention to it. Now, that is in a, like in a hot or active pile. You can do the same thing in uh, what's called cold or passive composting. Uh, And you're going to use a lot of the same ingredients. It's just, uh, you're just not going to be working at it uh, nearly as much as you were on the other one. Uh, that's the hot composting requires you, you play a pretty active role in this. Making sure that you're uh, uh, monitoring the internal heat, that you're keeping the the uh, the decomposition going at a you know at a, at a high or a hot uh, rate, and that you're constantly moving it, moving the stuff from the center to the inside, stuff like that, keeping it moist. In cold composting, you're doing the same thing, but <clears throat> You're not uh, you're not depending on the heat uh, of the pile to do the, comp- the decomposition for you. All right, now cold composting takes a, a little bit longer. It's just you don't have to do very much to it. And I've got I keep a couple of cold composting piles going, and then once uh, uh, once the season begins, then I'll start running hot compo- <coughs> hot compost piles. Uh, the way you do the cold is you're just going to you're going to pile this stuff up uh, much in the same way. Now my cold compost pile, I don't keep it a, in any kind of a bed or a structure or anything. I just have uh, you know about 30, 40 feet from the house. I've got a, a place where I just pile up uh, all of the uh, you know all of the larger limbs that uh, that come off the trees and the big piles of leaves and, you know, stuff like that. <clears throat> and then stuff that's coming out of the kitchen, you know, throughout the year. Uh, and uh, and you're going to use, like I said, the same uh, the same kind of stuff, except in the cold compost pile, you, you, you want to make sure that you also avoid uh, things like... Uh, Animal or human waste. Okay, you can probably get you can get away with that, and we'll 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 talk about that on another date about using animal and human waste because there's a lot of places that do that. But since you're not going to to generate the heat in your cold compost pile that you're that you're looking at in the hot or the active pile, you want to try and and make sure that you're not putting things into it. Uh, that you're not generating the heat to kill, right? The bacteria and the uh, stuff like that. Once again, you don't want to add any meat, any dairy, anything, any kind of fat and stuff like that. You want to try and keep any weeds out of the cold compost pile because, like I said, you're not generating uh, a high enough temperature to kill these seeds. So it's those seeds have a they have a good chance of being still active, still viable seeds when you go to use it. And uh, and you can even have the I mean a, a lot of uh, wheat seeds uh, actually uh, uh, germinate you know in the cold piles. Uh, 
you can use the uh, uh, stuff like coffee grounds, tea bags, uh, crackers, any old spices, eggshells, uh, hairs. I use a lot of dog hair and stuff. Uh, nutshells, uh, pasta, seaweed, uh, shredded newspaper, you know, larger uh, uh, branches, stuff like that. Because it's going to sit there in that pile uh, for about a whole year because it takes about that long for all of this stuff to break down. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about, uh, let's see, did I just, did uh, did we lose Rick? Uh, Sam? I know Rick no, he's still him. there. Want me to bring him on? Uh, Let me bring him on. He's still there. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, bring him on. I, I, one thing, the other thing we're talking about tonight is hay bale gardening. And we we talked briefly about it last week, and uh, I wanted to talk about that tonight as well because, you know, for many years, I, I, I've heard about the hay bale gardening for many years. And at, at first, when I first heard about it, I thought, well, this is just, this is just a trendy kind of uh, yuppie urban kind of thing that uh, people are doing because it looks neat and, and cute and uh, and uh, and people can point to it and stuff like that. And uh, But the, the longer I've, I've been uh, reading about it and talking to people that are doing it and stuff like that, uh, the more convinced I am that it's actually a very viable uh, process. And uh, I invited one of... Uh, one of our buddies to call in tonight. We got uh, Rick from Alabama, and uh, and he's going to talk to us about his hay bale gardening. <clears throat> hey, Rick, how you doing? Hey, good evening. Good to be with you. <clears throat> well, I appreciate you calling in. Uh, and you you heard pretty much what I just said about it because, uh, like I said at first, I thought you know I'd see the pictures of it and I go, well, that's. That's nice, but uh, you know, I, I just didn't—I didn't really see the point in it at first. I thought, you know, if you—if you can—if you can—if you want to grow something, just drag the hay bale out of the way and turn the <laughs> soil over and stick it right there in the dirt. That's you know, people have been doing yeah, that for was, hundreds of years. I was much of the same way. It just didn't seem manly. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but, but there. But there are a lot of benefits to it. Why don't you uh, just start out by by letting the folks know, like, kind of what the process is, what uh, okay, uh, how you go well, about I'll starting start with, it. Start with how I got into it. We we um we planned a, a garden, and I don't know about you, but I just love to get down on my hands and knees and pull weeds. Not really, <laughs> um, and that's what drew me to it was the fact that it's essentially weedless. And it's up off the ground, so you don't have to get down on your knees. So I was looking at it from, you know, uh, a lazy guy sort of perspective, and that's what drew me to it. Um, and so we set about trying to find all the materials we need. Um, first, you got first thing you got to have is bales, and you need straw bales, wheat straw. Uh, so don't use uh, hay bales like you typically think of them. I guess it's uh, uh, fescue or, right, or there's postal bales, anything like that. There is, right. There is uh, the wheat, the, but there's wheat with the head on, uh, stuff like right. that. So you, and you're saying that you want to get 
<laughs> right. You want to get mainly that, just after, the, the straw. Right. So after they after they cut the wheat here, the straw that's left in the field, they'll bale it up and, and sell it. And uh, if you catch it at the right time of the year, typically end of the season, uh, from the year before, you can buy the bales fairly cheap. You can get them for a couple of bucks a bale. And But you want the straw, the wheat straw bales, because they're straw, and straw holds water. And um, so we we got about three dozen bales, and uh, we experimented with some here at the house and some out at the farm. And really the only difference between them was here at the house, being even lazier than uh, than lazy, I put really heavy-duty black plastic down and laid the bales on top of the plastic so that there was no chance of a weed coming up. And out at the farm, we just put them right on the ground. <clears throat> and what we learned was you just mow around them and run a weed eater and takes care of it. Here at the house, we didn't even have that problem because it sat right on the plastic. But you take the, the straw bales and turn them up what I would call knife edge so that the they're, you, have a, you, have a, you have a broad side and a narrow side. If you want the narrow side up, and right. we just stuck them in, end to end and put about 12 in each row and um, give yourself plenty of room in between because, believe me, they will bush out. You will grow some serious stuff out of these things. And uh, you leave yourself plenty of room because what we found also is you not only grow stuff out of the top, you can grow stuff out of the sides of these things. Um, so leave yourself plenty of room. I guess we probably had about eight feet between each uh, row. So three rows, about 12 bales apiece, uh, stacked end to end. And you have an inoculation period, what we call an inoculation period, where you start building these bales up because basically they're just straw bales. So you're wanting to fertilize them and get them ready for the plants. And it's about a 10-day process. And one thing we did learn the first year was we weren't able to just be here every day for 10 days straight, and it didn't do as well. If you're able to do this for 10 days straight and you follow the directions exactly, it's unbelievable. And they're pretty simple. Um, the fertilizer that you're going to use is um, – 3400. It's it's the pure nitrogen stuff, uh, right. real high nitrogen. And what you want to make sure of is don't go any. If you can't find 34%, um, don't go any lower than 20. Get as high as you possibly can in the in the nitrogen department. And the other thing is make sure it's the immediately usable type of nitrogen. It's not the kind that's going to be a slow release and take, you know, months to dissolve and, and soak into the bale. You want something that's going to dissolve right now and soak into the bale. So uh, and some people use urea. If you can get a really high source of uh, nitrogen out of that, that would, that would work too. But the main thing is get the stuff that's immediately available that just soaks right into the bale. The first day after you get it set up, um, you're going to take a, a half a cup of, of the fertilizer and spread it over the top of each bale. And then water it in and when i say water it in i mean stand there and put water on this thing at a rate that it just will it won't run off it'll start to run off initially after a while it becomes a sponge but you want to just soak that bale as much as you possibly can and then move to the next bale put down a half a cup and soak it in and it takes a long time and a lot of patience to begin with the next day, well, because the, the bale is going to be able to hold, you know, up to depending on what size bale you got, it will hold, uh, you know, ten gallons of water, fifteen gallons of water. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
The next day, all you do is water it. Same thing. You just soak it till, till it will not hold any more water. Then the next day, you add a half a cup of fertilizer and water it in. The next day, you water it only. So you see the trend here. Every other day, half a cup of fertilizer. Every other day, water it in until you get to um, the seventh day. On the seventh day, you back off to a quarter cup of, of uh, fertilizer for, for the last couple of fertilizings. And on the tenth day, and, and, and there again, it's it's fertilizer, and the next day water, right? Water every day, but every other day fertilizer. And then the last day, you put a full cup of triple ten on each bale and water it in. Now, by this time, you'll actually be able to feel the bales getting hot. They'll actually already be cooking by about six, seven days. They'll actually start cooking. So the the process that you were talking about, the, the breaking down in the compost pile, that's what's happening in the bales. And so 10 days straight, you know, working that up and let it sit a couple of days and you're ready to put plants in it. And you can do, uh, you can put plants in it, tomato plants, whatever, or you can plant seed either way. Well, they, and right, what we, they said that well, I was just going to say that they said that the uh, uh, to make sure that uh, uh, like you said by by day eleven or so, you know, at the end of this process, that uh, that you want to try to kind of feel inside, or maybe you can get a thermometer, a meat thermometer, and check mm-hmm, it and, sure. and make sure that it's that it's down to uh, that the process has worked its way through. It's down to like less. Than your own body heat, you know. So that means right, you don't you want know, to cook below, the seeds, below yeah. 98 degrees. Yeah, you know, you want it to be. Yeah, don't. You want that that decomposing process to be kind of uh, to to be bypassed because you don't want to certainly don't want it hot enough to kill uh, or to damage the uh, the root system on the, the plants that you put in. Right, and we've we've never had a problem with that. A couple of days later, it's usually you know down in the down in the core. It's still pretty warm, but. You know the seeds are way up at top anyway. The roots aren't down there yet, and so it, it it it'll be fine. Then you can plant either seed or plant you know plants. And what we did was just take um, a battery drill and a four inch hole saw and just bore a hole. And it'll of course it'll clog up. You know you go down a couple of inches, it'll clog up, pull the hay out, go down another couple of inches, and just make you a hole about you know four inches deep or so. And if you've got a tomato plant, you pull it out of its little container and you stick it in the hole and you know, put a little water in there with it. If you're doing seeds, take your uh, topsoil or your potting soil or whatever you're using, mm-hmm. put it in the in the hole that you just made, put the seeds into the proper depth, cover them up, water them in, and then uh, sit back and enjoy. And I'm telling you, it it is amazing what it what it does. We use nothing but bush varieties. You can use climbers and that kind of thing. Um, we did. Uh, we've done um, tomatoes, cucumbers, squash. Um, my favorite is beans and peas and the bush varieties because they, they really take off and get huge and bushy. And uh, we just did a uh, this last year. We did a lot of uh, field peas, like Crowder peas and that kind of thing, and they really do well. Purple hole peas are my favorite. They did really well. And um, like I say, you can bore holes in the side. And plant stuff, squash or whatever you want. The stuff runs; it comes out and takes up a lot of room, so you have to you know, give yourself plenty of room. But it's unbelievable how much it puts out. My worry in the beginning was, well, it's kind of a waste of space because 
heck, I've only got three rows of bales out there. Those three rows of bales put out what I probably would have done in six or eight rows in the ground. They were that right, exactly. productive. So it wasn't a waste of space. And there again, when it came time to pick stuff, I just walked down there and picked it. I didn't have to get down on my knees. I didn't have to weed anything, dig through and pull out weeds or anything. And um, it it you can make it go probably a couple of years. We We got lucky and found... Uh, some pallets that if you cut them in half, they were exactly the size of a hay bale. And so we could wire them together through the bale. In other words, put a half a pallet on each side and stole them together with wire through the bale to help support the bale because as it decomposes, it just kind of compresses down. And in that manner, we can make them go two years. And um, otherwise, you just put another hay bale on top of it and keep going. And uh, if you have the frames for it, you can just throw fresh hay in there the next year and uh, treat it and, and go from there. Um, some people had, we were doing some barrel gardening, and one guy had the idea of, well, why don't we just fill the barrel up with hay and do it that way? You know, nobody's ever done that before. Well, it works. <laughs> you can do that too. But you um, a barrel and fill it up been, with hay? Yeah. We've, you know, you cut the slots in the side of the barrel, and you and you plant stuff in the top and plant stuff in the sides. Instead of filling it up with uh, with soil, you just pack it full of full of hay and treat it the same way. So wow. this stuff works. It works really well, and um, I've been I've been quite impressed. Well, I know that, uh, like I said, the uh, or like you were saying, and I mentioned it last week uh, when I was talking about uh, kind of this uh, a different process. Uh, I was talking about the uh, Japanese tomato rings. And uh, when I first tried that, I thought kind of the same thing. I thought, um, I'm making a, a kind of a big uh, thing here in the middle of the garden, and it's only for four plants. And uh, I said, it seems to me like I'm really kind of wasting a lot of space because the uh, tomato ring ends up taking, uh, uh, it has a footprint of like, uh, uh, you know, nine square feet, maybe like three foot by three foot. It's in a circle, but it takes up, you know, like that. Actually, a little bit more by the time you put the plants on there. I'd say it probably runs uh, around 15 square feet. And if you think about that, uh, you know, like in a linear fashion, then, uh, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, like seven or eight plants there as opposed to just the four. And with the, uh, with the Japanese tomato ring, you're, Basically, you're just building a compost pile, uh, you know, straight up, uh, about three or four feet tall, you know, the same way that I just talked about putting the, you know, making the compost pile, putting in the, uh, you know, all the ingredients you need for it. And then you plant the four tomato plants around the outside of it. And then as they grow, because you can also plant uh, the climbing tomatoes and stuff like that, and you can just pin them to the, the sides of the tomato ring as it grows. But... They produced, uh, I would say, three to four times as much as any of the row crop tomatoes. So mm-hmm. I didn't need uh, the additional four plants because I was already getting uh, the the same amount I would get would have gotten with ten or twelve plants. So right. the idea that you're getting uh, more from the plants that you're planting the bales and stuff is. Uh, uh, is certainly 
uh, a great benefit. And you know, when you when you think about uh, a lot of folks, especially if you're in an urban area or something like that, or if you have really poor soil, uh, like a lot of uh, if you go to a lot of uh, a lot of places, uh, and I know this because I used to do uh, underground. Uh, stuff, uh, putting in underground cables and pipes and stuff like that in, uh, 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 you know, in housing areas and subdivisions and stuff, a lot of times the soil in those subdivisions is absolutely horrific. Uh, It might just be rock-hard clay, or it might just be all rocks, or it could just be really bad soil. So getting the soil up to the point where you can actually grow something decent, and it might be really hard, and uh, yeah, yeah, and it might take you a lot of work, and uh, you know, and a decent amount of money, and and then everything else to get that soil uh, to become uh, you know viable growing medium uh, for your garden. And this yeah. is going to be just the opposite. Uh, you know, you can yeah. uh, you could actually put this on top of concrete. You know. Sure. And uh, because it's uh, it, it's not requiring you to work the soil, you know, the, the plants are going to grow right into the bale. And that always amazed me too, because I'm a, you know I was thinking, well, you know, what are you uh, before I knew anything about it? I'm just envisioning now you're going to have to like you know haul off the bale and fill it with dirt and you know and you don't do that. You simply uh, start the process, the decomposition process, and let the the plants grow into the decomposing straw. Sure. And uh, yeah. and the bales, especially once they start uh, once they start decomposing, then they they get better and better at holding the water. I know at first mm-hmm. uh, you've got to you you've really got to stay on top of keeping them watered because because it will drain out and they'll get dry, and, and that and a dry uh, growing medium will kill a plant really quick. Mm-hmm. But uh, and so I know you've got to keep the the bales, uh, you know, the proper moisture level. And a lot of people talk about uh, like running soaker hoses across the top, stuff like that. Uh, but uh, but then the older they get, the more they break down, the more they're able to uh, save water. So right. uh, at least from the folks I've talked to, they said, you know, once once the bales have gotten a little bit older, then they're, they, they, they don't have to water quite as often. So Right. My watering was, yeah. I, I, I ran a, uh, a, a drip hose down the top of each row and then ran it back to a manifold with a timer on it. And my entire watering process was the timer came on in the morning for two minutes. That was it. So it didn't take much. And the bales were always, if you could stick your finger in the side of the bale, it's always warm and it's always moist in there. Well, that sounds good. And uh, and you said you thought you could get uh, more than the one year out of it? Yes, yeah, so you, you can stretch it. If you could figure some way to keep the bale from collapsing, so to speak. And, and we got lucky, mm-hmm. like I said, we found some, some pallets that if I ripped the pallets in half, um, you know, down the middle, they were about the size of a of the hay bale. So we just 
lined the sides of the rows with those pallets and took uh, just electric fence wire and made a big needle out of a big uh, <laughs> aluminum rod and we'd push it through and we just sort of sewed the the, uh, the pallets to the side of the bale, you know, pulled them through the middle of the, of the hay that way. And that keeps it upright. And then uh, next year, it sinks down a little bit. Uh, so if you wanted to, you could just, since you have a framework there anyway, you could just add hay, just break up a hay bale and add hay to the top. Wow. So we saved, uh, one of my other worries was, was uh, well, you know, the initial cost of the bale itself. But when you consider, um, I, I used absolutely no, um, nothing for weeds. Spent no time doing weeds, and I didn't have to put any herbicides down or anything like that for weeds. So the money that I saved on that probably, probably got the bales for, for, for free. I probably broke even. Wow. Well, you've got uh, you. I know that you've done uh, uh, traditional gardening as well as the hay bale bar gardening. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you? And you just mentioned that you got uh, a lot of bales for free, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got some so, that way. Most of them, I think, I, I had to get. I had to give about two bucks a piece for them, and um, that was about the going rate. And that's. At two bucks a piece, that's still not bad considering, like I say, I didn't – fertilizer's pretty cheap. Uh, I didn't have to – you know, here where I live, I had to pay for the water. So um, I didn't spend very much on water at all because, it, like I say, a, a soaker hose two minutes a day is not a lot, and I spent nothing on herbicides or anything like that. So, uh, Well, you're talking think, about the fertilizer All things considered, it was – you think that it's uh, yeah. less expensive than traditional, right? I think so. Um, if if for no other reason than it, it it tends to hold it. It doesn't wash out the way you would think it would. It if you like, for instance, over at the farm where we put them straight on the ground, mm-hmm. the grass that grew up uh, around the bale was some happy grass, but. <laughs> you know, just a few inches out from that, it was like normal grass. So you just run through there with a weed eater and keep it cleaned up so that you can pick the beans or whatever. But um, it 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 hold the bales hold that fertilizer, and then and they're creating their own. You know, they're sitting there, all the little microbes are partying in the bale, doing what they do, and making more fertilizer. So uh, it's not right, like I have right, to go because, back and uh, add any during the year. Because from the the folks I've talked to and the and the techniques and stuff I've read, they said you can also uh, you could you could even put less energy and stuff into it just by uh, an alternate method of preparing the bales is just by keeping them wet for three or four weeks prior to planting. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to do yep. you wouldn't have to add anything. Don't don't add any fertilizer or anything to it. At least not at that point. All you have to do is make right. sure you're keeping them wet for three or four weeks. The, uh, yep, the method you've got you your own little about, compost the, pile there. Yeah, that's the that's the faster the ten day method. But also mm-hmm. one of the things is that uh, that people can do besides using the thirty four oo is uh, you can substitute blood meal for the uh, for the ammonium sulfate uh, 
and you can also, if you're or, if you're uh, an organic gardener uh, and you want to condition the pails, you can also use uh, uh, fish oil to be, to in the, for the conditioning, right, just like you're using the the uh, uh, ammonium sulfate, or you can use compost tea, and we'll talk about that just in just a bit. But uh, that's just uh, the liquid that you can get from the compost pile. But you can use those uh, rather than uh, than some traditional commercial. Uh, right. Well, one of, one of the added uh, benefits is it, it it draws worms like crazy, and you know worms get in there and do their thing and create worm poo and probably <laughs> one of the best fertilizers in the world, worm poo. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's, you've got your own little uh, ecosystem going there. <laughs> well, did you you? Uh, I mean, you just you just noticed a lot more uh, like activity uh, in the ground and stuff there. I'm sure that they then once the uh, you know the bales and stuff started decomposing and stuff. I'm sure that they that the worms and stuff uh, just naturally uh, migrate up into them. Mm-hmm. And if you if you ever pick one up and look underneath it, it's like cobras, man. They're like uh, if you want to fish with those rascals, they're big ones. <laughs> they're big healthy ones. <laughs> Well, I know that, uh, like, whenever I'm, uh, like, for the year, uh, whenever I'm, uh, I'll have, uh, you know, three or four hundred big round bales, uh, you know, in the uh, in the hay pens, and uh, I'll go and I'll pick one up, and when I do, a lot of times I can see uh, underneath it, uh, I'll see the grubs that are there, and uh, mm-hmm. I have a little plastic container that uh, I'll just go and grab them. Uh, you know, some of them will be as big as my thumb, and yeah. uh, you use those for fishing. You use, use them, you know, right then and there. Or uh, a lot of times, I'll I'll put them in the freezer and freeze them down. That way, I can use them throughout the year. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, there'll be a lot of uh, there'll be actually a lot of living things that live right there at that point where the straw touches the dirt. You know, that's where they make their home. Yeah. Uh, uh, is there any uh is there any uh down any uh uh, uh hold on a second I got any uh cons that you would uh that you would mention? Um no, my only my only problem with it was just basically with the type of schedule that we have is trying to be there those first 10 days to get that thing up and cooking, you know. Um, and I think it's probably pretty important. The first year we did it, uh, we weren't able to do that. And and it, it worked, and it worked really well, but not as good as it did afterwards, uh, subsequent years. Right. So I think that's and, probably uh, the thought- big thing. It's, it's pretty time-consuming to do that. Also, some places, I'm not sure, some places it may be a little harder to find the straw bales. Uh, than others, but um, it's to, to my way of thinking, it's a perfect setup for somebody who doesn't have room for a garden. If you just got a little small backyard and put a dozen bales out there, you know it's it's unbelievable what you'll get from it. Right now, I've I've heard uh, uh, I've heard uh, people talk about stuff like. Uh, uh, that for some reason they thought that there was uh, more things like slugs uh, going after their uh, 
hay bales and they found on the ground. Uh, to me, that doesn't uh, that doesn't seem. That seems like maybe some type of a local problem. Uh, yeah, I've never, never seen never seen slug. Hmm. No, I've never seen a slug, and the only time I ever saw mushrooms was after you after this growing season. You take everything, you cut everything off, and you know we get a rainy season here in December, and you'll see you'll see uh, you know the bales stay pretty wet, and you'll see mushrooms pop up. But not right. during the growing season. I've never seen anything like that. Well, some of the, they're like you said, straw is going to be the best. But I, I have heard people uh, uh, using any kind of hay bales, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, but they did mention uh, that certainly that uh, uh, that on the bales that weren't uh, straw that were uh, you know different types of grass and stuff that they actually had to do weeding in those. Right. Whereas uh, you right. know the straw ones, you're not going to have to because there's nothing in there. So. Right. In fact, I've I had a couple of bales that I I saw the wheat tops and it's just an area of the field I guess where that it didn't quite cut everything and so they baled it with the tops in it and uh, so we have wheat you know <laughs> just a couple of bales but it's the, the thing was once the once the beans and peas and things get up and start bushing out, they're so incredibly thick and green that I don't think anything will grow out of the bale. I, I, the wheat wouldn't grow. There's no sun. And, um, you know, down down there on the bale, on the top surface of the bale, because I'm telling you, it's really big and thick and lush. Wow. But I could see where that would – I could see if you used standard hay bales, I could I could see where that would happen. There's all kinds of things – to get bailed up with that bale, right? And then there's also uh, uh, the bale that's probably better uh, if you if you can get bales that have uh, wire tie as opposed to string tie because uh, the wire's going to last a little bit longer. A lot of the string mm-hmm. ties uh, will end up breaking down too, and then that'll come apart. And of course, you need, like you said, you got to have something that's just keeping your bale nice and tight. I imagine if need be, you could always, uh, you know, run a piece of cord around it or something like that to keep it from uh, from separating. But, uh, mm-hmm. but we have uh, to use some T post. We use T post on the, um, put a T post on the end and shove the bale against it, and then about every third bale or so, we shove them together nice and tight and put a put a T post down. And just keep going in that manner, and then string the wire between the T posts, uh, and that's what the cucumbers ran. So anything that you want that's that's vining, you want you know that that's just an added. Not only does it hold the uh, the bales nice and tight, but it gives runners something to run up. Right. All right. Well, uh, are you? Are you guys keeping any kind of a uh, compost pile active? Yeah, we have a couple. We have um, here at the house. We're toying around with a small kind of a thing. It's just um, a, a 55-gallon plastic drum uh, with an axle through the through the through the side of it all the way through, and you lift the lid off and you throw your kitchen scraps and and, and things in there and tumble it. And you know, add a little water and tumble it every time you add to it. And that thing 
it's been pretty remarkable. It smells great. It smells like dirt, you know, like really rich dirt. And we throw, you know, uh, eggshells, banana peels, coffee grounds, everything in there. And just as you were saying earlier, we, we try to keep it a mix of, uh, <laughs> I try to think in very simple terms of brown and green. I go get brown right. material and I put it in there. And that's usually, you know, old leaves and, and things like that that are starting to decompose. And I put an equal amount of green stuff in there, which is our kitchen scraps. And um, and then probably an equal amount of water with that. And this, this this barrel has holes drilled all over it. And then I put the lid back on it and you tumble it. And and a couple of days later, you you add to it. And it's amazing. I was wondering how full it would have to be before you could not turn it anymore before it would be too heavy and i thought well maybe if it gets about two-thirds full but it'll never get two-thirds full it just gets more dense so there's about maybe a foot and a half of material in the bottom of that drum right now and it's been that way for months and, and so it just keeps getting darker and denser it doesn't you don't accumulate more of it but by the same token you're not getting a lot out of it either this is for um just our little small garden plot along the patio where we can plant some tomatoes and things like that and it'll suffice for that um out the farm we have you, you were talking about your coal pile we had a coal pile right, that we right. had for a couple of years that we pushed up just put a blade on a tractor and just pushed it up in the fall so it's limbs and leaves and sticks and nuts and all kinds of stuff and it started out about eight feet high and about 30 feet across and now it's down to about two feet high and um, that's where i got my brown material to start my compost in the back and you just you get a shovel full of that stuff and it's rich and you know broken down and brown and full of big earthworms and it's good stuff um we have another pile that we use it's a compost pile of sorts but it's all wood and i think i've talked to you about that before that's what we use for our heat pile and um right. that thing is absolutely incredible it's nothing but hardwood chips and it's 16 right, feet diameter I'd like to have you come on and and talk about this more in depth. I know that tonight was kind of a, a last-minute thing. Again, I don't expect you to, to give a, a class or anything, but I'd like you to explain, uh, just kind of give folks a, a, a quick explanation of what uh, you guys are doing, why you have why you have that pile uh, of wood chip stuff and what you're doing with it. Okay. You want a quick explanation now? Or later. Yeah, yeah well, you just said, yeah, you were just talking about the uh, about the pile of wood chips and uh, and I, I, I'd like for you just to tell people, just kind of give them just a, a, a you know a quick uh, you quick know, rundown second of what you guys are doing. Yeah. Okay. Well, our, our initial our initial project was a greenhouse because a greenhouse is something you can grow stuff in year round, and you can give vegetables of an early start you know, before you actually take them out and put them in the ground or in your hay bales or whatever. But you need a way to heat the thing in the wintertime. And so our initial project was a um, methane digester. We were going to build a methane digester and use the methane, the gas, this thing produced to heat the greenhouse. But in the process of building the digester, and this thing's a, it's a big, huge thing, um, in the process of building it, we realized that it, to run the thing optimally, you really need to keep 
the tanks of this methane digester where things are breaking down and, and producing the methane, they need to be kept at a certain temperature, constant temperature. And I, I don't remember off the top of my head, it's 20 or 22 degrees C, something like that. And um, so we thought, well, how, how will we do that? Well, then we came up with the idea for a heat pile. And there's some people that are doing it in Europe and places like that that have done it on a small scale, sort of a proof of concept thing. We wanted it to be big enough that we could heat, uh, use it as a heat exchanger to keep the, the water and the, the solution in these methane tanks at a constant temperature. So the idea was to build this monstrosity of a heat pile. Well, the local utility company will give you all the free wood chips you want. And if you're really nice to them and you know, give the guy a couple of bucks, he'll make sure it's all hardwood. And hardwood pieces of hardwood that are about an inch, inch and a half chips of, of hardwood. And they come out and dump a pile of it. And we built a, 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 a round, fenced-in area, um, 16 feet across and about 8 feet high, and took a loader on a tractor and started dumping these chips uh, to make this humongous pile. And it's going to break down just exactly, exactly like you were talking about with the uh, compost pile and generate heat. Right. So the idea was we would run uh, PEX tubing, one-inch PEX tubing, and a big coil in the middle of this pile. And then you would pump water into the pile. The pile would heat it up, and then you would pump it, you know, the water would go into the tank in, a, in another coil and transfer the heat into the tank to keep it at a constant temperature. Well, what we found out was we, we put a uh, tote, a 275-gallon tote, uh, I know you, you know what I'm talking about, the big white plastic tanks that are kind of in a metal cage, and they use them for all kinds mm -hmm. of things. We put one of those, we put about two or three feet of chips down. Then we put one of those in the in the middle of it, and we ran the pecs in and made a coil. I think there's a couple hundred feet of pecs inside that thing. And then proceeded to pile chips around it and on top of it until it got about eight feet deep. And we put a... <clears throat> pipe down so we could add water and we put temperature probes in the in the tank and every foot or every let's see every two feet all the way to the outside of the uh, of the pile and what we found was once this thing got cooking it would keep the water in that tank at 158 degrees 158 degrees year round wow you can, you can shower in that so what we came up with was we we have the option of running this huge methane digester and putting scraps in there and turning scraps into methane to heat the greenhouse, or you could just use this big pile, or you could use the pile for hot water at, at the house, whatever you wanted to do. Absolutely incredible what this thing does. That pile's been in existence for two years now. It's come through two winters. It's probably sunk, decomposed, and probably dropped about two, two and a half, maybe three feet. It's actually decomposed that much. You can add more to it, but it doesn't really do anything because you know what's, what's down in the middle is what's actually uh, using up. But to give you an idea of how stable the thing is, um, this past winter, not the winter we're in now, last winter, uh, we tracked the temperatures on a computer, and we had one night where the temperature hit zero. And I'm, I'm talking Fahrenheit, not centigrade here actually hit zero and we were worried that it was going to kill the pile 
because it's temperature sensitive, oxygen sensitive, that kind of thing. The pile dropped from 158 down to, I think, about 130, like the low 130s, maybe, 134 degrees, say. And the next day, started climbing again. And then it took about two days, two or three days to completely recover until it was running 158 degree temperatures again. And we're in our second year on that pile now. <clears throat> so what we wanted to see was, A, how much heat could we get out of it, and B, how long would it last? And it looks right. like two years, two years, no problem. I don't think it would go three, but two years, no problem. But when he dies, you know, you undo the fence, you dig it all out, and build another one. It's free, free heat. Wow. But your, but your other compost pile, your coal compost pile, uh, is working fine. For the uh, for the garden there at the farm, right? Right. So that that thing, you just go in there with a loader, you know, scoop up tons of the stuff and spread it all over the garden, and it's already completely decomposed and good dark, rich brown stuff. Uh, the other idea was the the effluence that comes off of the methane tanks when it, the process is fantastic liquid fertilizer. So you take this, what would otherwise be thrown away, these scraps, and um, and turn them into methane gas and turn them into fertilizer. Well, the uh, that's the, one of the other things that I want to talk about real quick is the compost tea. Because a lot of people use uh, compost tea as their fertilizer, and that keeps you from having to use any type of uh, commercially available stuff. And it's a, it's usually a lot better. Uh, for the plants, especially when you're starting out seedlings and stuff like that, because commercial fertilizer, even when you're careful with it, you can it can cause problems by being too hot for the plants to right. use. With the yeah, this stuff won't burn them. Yeah, with the, yeah, with the compost teas, you can take uh, uh, you can get to like a uh, you know a big uh, barrel. And uh, you can add in ten pounds of uh, of some type of organic material. You can use manure or something like that, or or you can use compost. You put it into the uh, uh, into the water, and uh, that's uh, ten pounds of the mature compost for each ten gallons of the water that you're putting in there. Uh, Keep the barrel out of the direct sunlight or out of where it would be too cold. And then you stir the mixture up, uh, keep it stirred uh, really well uh, for a minimum of like five days. Uh, You can go like five to eight days. Once you've done this, you strain the liquid from the compost. Use, uh, you know, some kind of cloth, cheesecloth, burlap, something like that, strain it out. And uh, and make sure that uh, make sure that this stuff isn't like cooking up. It shouldn't it shouldn't be bubbling or cooking off any odors or anything like that. That's why you're using a mature uh, compost. And then you use that uh, that liquid immediately. You don't have to dilute it or anything else. You just use that that liquid immediately uh, for your fertilizer. For your you know it's going to water and fertilize. 
Uh, you need to make sure, though, when you're when you are brewing it up, that you're using a mature compost. It needs to be a you know a nice, uh, sweet smelling uh, kind of compost. And you know how that smells. You know, you dig into a compost pile, you can you can hold a handful of it up, of it up, and you can smell it. It doesn't have any type of uh, any harsh odors or anything. It smells really nice, really sweet. Uh, and then uh, and that will make an excellent uh, fertilizer for you to use. So uh, I just wanted to when you when you brought up that liquid fertilizer, I wanted to make sure that I mentioned to folks that they can that you can make uh, a good fertilizer from your compost pile uh, by uh, uh, by doing just like we said, you know, mixing it in with the water and letting it uh, uh, like brew up, and then uh, and then using that on your garden. And uh, I think it's a really great way, like I said, especially for seedlings and stuff like that. It's immediately available. It's a really good fertilizer, but it's not going to be so hot that it's going to cause problems uh, with your seedlings. Uh, And then you're also talking about, we're talking about the the cold composting, but also I want to talk about uh, real quick about sheet composting because you can do that with your garden every year. And all that is is, uh, like I do on the, the raised beds and stuff like that, whenever I plant in the uh, in the large raised beds that I have, I'll plant, but then I will uh, mulch that with, uh, uh, usually I'll use a, like an older, uh, I'll use some of the older bales of coastal hay because it's really very fine uh, grass, and I can, you know, once these seedlings are up and they're growing, I can take the uh, that coastal hay and spread out uh, like a four or five inch layer and uh, use that to mulch the garden so that it's uh, protected from from the heat, from the soil heating up during the sun of the day and from uh, the water evaporating. And, uh, you know, it works good throughout the year. Also, if there's, uh, if there are, if you're growing things like tomatoes or uh, anything that's going to come in contact with the ground, then it's not going to be sitting directly on the dirt. It will be sitting on that that layer of mulch on the hay. And then once I have harvested everything for the year, I'll leave that uh, that mulch on the garden, and uh, it will uh, continue to decompose. And then I'll turn it in to the soil. Uh, you know, at the end of the season. So that's like a, a form of sheet composting, and you can do that uh, on your whole garden, you know, once you've mulched it. And I think that uh, Sam was talking about that uh, uh, last week, about uh, uh, working the mulch back into the soil, uh, you know, that you've used for the previous year. <clears throat> well, I appreciate uh I appreciate you calling in, and yeah, uh, no I appreciate problem. you sharing sharing the the uh, your experiences with this because uh, I'm, I'm really kind of excited about this. I think I'm going to try that try this this year and uh, actually see how it works. And uh, I I really uh, uh, would suggest to a lot of folks that uh, if you have if you're even if you only wanted to go a couple of uh, plants. Uh, I think this would be a perfect way to do it. I mean, you, you don't have to go and buy any containers. 
this is a this would be a great way for you to have even just uh, three or four plants. So you just want to have some tomatoes uh, through the year. You plant uh, two or three tomato plants into the hay bale, and you're going to be really good. So, but I did want to ask you uh, if you would prepare a uh, a class on the methane digester, and along with uh, along with you guys, the ideas that you guys have for the use of the product and stuff. Okay. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. All right. Well, thanks again. God bless and keep you and yours, uh, JB, and uh, and we'll talk to you sometime in the next couple of weeks. All right. You guys take care. Have a good night. All right. Thanks, sir. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, I want to thank... Uh, I want to thank JB for uh, for sharing that because uh, he has been doing it for a couple of years now, and uh, and I've talked to him about it, and uh, and like I said, I I've got, I'm completely convinced. I've gone from uh, from thinking that it was kind of a trendy fad kind of thing to thinking that there's actually really a lot of merit in. Uh, in this in this technique. Uh, all right, uh, let's talk again about the compost. All right, because uh, uh, there's a, there's a lot of different ways that you can uh, that you can compost and uh, and make you know differing amounts. Like I said, if you just if you if you want to do it very easily and you've got some room and and you're not worried about uh, other people yelling about uh, a pile of uh, of leaves and branches and stuff in your yard, then uh, having the cold uh, or they also call it piling uh, uh, method is really a great method. Uh, the uh, the piling method is where you just you're just piling up uh, a, a big pile of the organic uh, material, and uh, and you're letting it uh, you're letting it do its own thing. Like I said it takes a it'll take a lot longer if you if you are not actually uh, setting it up so that it's uh, generating heat. And that's where I'm talking about adding, you know, making sure that you're having like a one-on-one ratio of uh, uh, of dry and green stuff that you're adding in, keeping it wet, stuff like that. But you can also produce large amounts of this with very little work and no cost, right? Because you're just taking everything, you're dumping it into a pile, and at the end of a year, it's going to be it's going to be pretty much a, a nice big pile of compost. Uh, the uh, the method that uh, that JB was talking about that they use with the bin. That's another thing you can do. Do and that, of course, keeps it real, really neat, really tidy, and it's a really a, a very rapid way uh, to uh, to uh, have the process going. And uh, and to make a small amount very quickly, because uh, uh, the uh, the turning on it is going to be uh, very easy. Because it's 
you're not going to have to get in there with a pitchfork and and uh, and shovel it uh, all the way, you know, upside down or anything like that. You're just going to turn the handle, and you can get you can pick these up uh, at uh, gardening stores or anywhere like that, so that you can. Uh, uh, and you, from what I understand, I haven't had one, but I want to understand that there is very little uh, odor at all. People even have them keep in their kitchens. They even make the ones that you keep on your kitchen countertop, you know, that you, uh, it's like a, uh, uh, like a one gallon container, uh, maybe a two gallon container that you're putting the stuff in, you're putting the top back on and then you're, you're, you know, turning it upside down, uh, every other day and, uh, keeping it moist and, uh, it very rapidly decomposes and produces a, a usable compost. Uh, there is, uh, uh, and I think this is more what uh, what Sam was. I mean, uh, yeah, what Sam, what you were talking about uh, is uh, what's called pit composting, and uh, this is where you have uh, it can be it can be as simple as just a hole, uh, or you can have a trench that you dig, and uh, then you put in the the ingredients into the into the trench that you're going to compost. Um, the ingredients are almost always going to be the same, uh, no matter what method that you use. And the things that you can't use are going to be the same. No fats, uh, meats, dairies, anything like that. Uh, you put it into the, the hole or the trench, and then you cover it up. And uh, after about, uh, about six months or a year or so, uh, that hole is going to be filled with your compost or that trench uh, is going to be filled up with the compost. Uh, the, the only drawback to this method is that, uh, is that once you're done, you're going to have to dig it up and, uh, you know, then you've got a hole or a trench or whatever. But like what Sam was talking about uh, with his method was that uh, he, he made the trenches, he put the organics into it, and then that would be his uh, his planting row. He'd plant directly into the compost after the year. So yeah, next year, I just run a row to tiller through it. So now you you have, and you know, it didn't take more than that initial work that you did, which was to uh, create the trench, fill it with the organics, uh, cover it back up, and then like you said, you just ran a rotor tiller through it to uh, to give it a mix, and it's ready to go. You've got uh, uh, you know a pre-composted row, and uh, uh, the only problem is, like I said, it takes uh, you know, six months to a year or so to do. It's like I do hot composting. That means if you put uh, weed seeds in there, they the good chance that they're going to end up coming up. Uh, uh, there are uh, there are a lot of folks that are using what's called in vessel composting now, and uh, uh, this can be anywhere from a 55 gallon barrel to I've seen some that uh, uh, that are that are large enough to hold 5,000 gallons uh, of uh, liquid, and uh, they're used basically 
in the same way as the as the small ones are. So they're filled with the organic material, and, and then they are turned, uh, you know, on a regular basis, and that and water's added in their uh, their hot composting, and uh, it is. Uh, it's a method to create a large amount very quickly. A lot of folks aren't going to have uh, the resources to do this because it takes special containers. And uh, but if you uh, you know if you wanted to make compost to sell or something, uh, that might be a way to do it. Uh, you can Google uh, any uh, any number of methods. There's now a method called uh, the black soldier fly composting, and uh, this is where you're <clears throat> you have uh, 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 organic waste like uh, the animal manure and stuff, and you're introducing uh, the black soldier fly larvae, and uh, they are going into the into the compost. They are very rapidly eating the compost, the pupae are, they're eating the compost and uh, digesting it for you. Then once they've done that, then the the uh, the pupae that are used are harvested and they're either sold or, or, or people will feed them to their uh, chickens or pigs. Uh, a lot of people will use this method if they are raising fish, like if you're raising catfish or something in your stock tank. And then at the same time, they're taking the uh, the black soldier flies, they're running them through the compost, they're getting a good uh, uh, compost product from it, and they are getting the uh, uh, the uh, pupae to feed to their fish, to feed to the catfish. So... Uh, there's uh, uh, there's tons of different ways. There's also uh, uh, the uh, uh, using worms uh, to compost. Uh, you can do that. You can uh, uh, let's see. I believe that's called uh, uh, vermi composting. And uh, uh, all you're doing here. Uh, is you're burying the food waste uh, that you're using. Once again, it's got to be, uh, it's got to be you know decent uh, food scraps and stuff like that. And meats, fats, uh, dairy, <coughs> and uh, you're burying it under a, a bedding material. And the bedding material can be uh, shredded paper, uh, leaves, uh, hay, just like uh, uh, JB and I were talking about with the hay bales. Uh, once you put it under there, then the uh, uh, the, the worms are going to come in. They are going to uh, uh, attack the the uh, uh, the organic material that you put in with a vengeance, and they are going to completely uh, 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 compost it. They're going to they're going to uh, take the material in. They're going to digest it and. Uh, uh, and they're going to do this for you. This is something that you can actually even do, uh, like in your garage or basement. I mean, you could build a, uh, uh, you know, like a, a wooden container or maybe a Tupperware container or something, and 
and use that along with the worms uh, to compost the soil. So there, uh, there can be uh, there's tons of stuff, tons of ways that you can do this. Uh, but the main point is, is that there are ways for anybody to do it uh, on any budget uh, and for any amount. Uh, if you're only growing uh, those uh, five or six tomato plants and those two bales of hay over the uh, over the year over your growing season, then you're not going to need a lot. You know, you can make it uh, like I said in that one or two gallon container. Uh, you can make uh, you know uh, six or seven uh, uh, composted products uh, throughout the summer. Then, which is all you're going to need for those, or uh, you could make uh, a, an actively a much larger uh, pile that you're going to use for your, your whole garden. It's depending on what your needs is as to what method you're going to use and how much space you have available, etc. But uh, I cannot uh, tell you uh, how I can't emphasize enough how important it is for you to be using compost. All right. Uh, this is going to be a key factor in in what you're growing. You ready to jump in, Sam? I was going to say, uh, if you're lazy like me, uh, you can go out and start getting your compost ready on the garden that you're going to plant next year, uh, laying it out, doing what they call sheet composting, laying it out there, and when it comes time to mix it up, you won't get it three or four feet deep. You only get it a foot, foot and a half. Uh, just go out there and mix it up with your rototiller. That's a lazy man's way to do it, and and I'm really big on on being lazy. And instead of getting out there with a with a fork and flipping it around from pile to pile, I just run over it with that rototiller. And because I like it to work as fast as I can. Now, I'm not building a really big pile where it gets super hot. I'll take and uh, I'll run most of the stuff I'm going to throw there through my chipper. I'll take those leaves and, and throw them in my chipper and grind them down a little smaller because oh, that's the smaller the pieces, the more intimate the, the contact, the, the faster it yep. works. Yep. And you can throw corn stalks in there. Uh, you can throw bad hay in there that's gotten rotten too bad to feed. Uh uh, throw leaves in there, throw tree limbs in there, just grind it all up and uh, spread it out across that, that field and till over it every couple of months and then come spring, till it in and plant it. And uh, that's the lazy man's way. <laughs> right. I'm big right. on and lazy. That's a, and that's a great way to do it. And, you know, like I said, the uh, if you uh, – if you're, you know, if you're done with your – when you're when you're doing your garden, when you're running your garden, you should keep it mulched really well. And, you know, there's there's all different ways you can do it. Like I said, I use hay because that's what I have available. You can use hay. You could use uh, 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 bark mulch, uh, all different kinds of things that you can use to mulch the garden. And then when you're done, fill that in. Uh, and you were talking about that uh, last week whenever you went with, uh, with your garden. That you were uh, uh, mulching with the uh, with with hay or straw. I don't remember what you were using, 
But uh, right, uh, hay and straw and bark off the falls off the wood in the wood pile. Okay, and I'll right. I'll chip it up and throw it out there in the walkways to mulch them and around the sides of it, and at the end of the year, all over it, and I just till it all in in the spring. The more right. organic stuff you can get mixed into that soil, uh, the better off it's going to be. Right, because so, because it, it's and it's and it's a process that you have to continue. It's not a one-time thing. I mean, you do it one time and you get a really great uh, 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 soil composition, and that's that's great. But then you have to maintain it because uh, the organics are going to continue to decompose. And if they do, then they're going to leach away, and they're going to, they're going to become something else, and the, the soil won't stay. Uh, as arable as friable, unless you keep, unless you continue to add organics to it. The and compost is a good way to do that is to add nutrients and organics back into it. But you're really if you're depending on what your soil is, you're going to have to add more than that. But uh, but composting uh, is and I posted the show on the uh, on uh, the show notice on Facebook. One of the guys commented on it. He said uh, for him, composting was, was therapy, was therapeutical. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that, you know, that's that's any any gardening or anything like that is uh, it certainly could it could certainly be therapeutic. I know it is for me. Uh, but uh, it's the only way that you're going to uh, it's the only way that you're going to to get the most out of your garden because uh, without adding the biological to it, without adding some type of fertilizer, uh, it's not going to work the same. And you're, and the only way to get fertilizer if you're not adding compost is to add, uh, is to add other, uh, other things like uh, uh, commercial fertilizer or, uh, uh, or blood meal, and then you know it, and that will work, but it's not going to work in the same way that adding compost, because that the compost, the decomposed uh, uh, organic material, is is what the plants, uh, it's what, what they were designed to use. It's what they were designed uh, to work with. So, uh, so using compost uh, is going to be your absolute uh, best bet. You know, um, the the other thing about compost is that after all that stuff rots down, the minerals that are left and the cellulose that's left uh, add to what's called the tilth of the soil. They help improve the structure of the soil. They help it hold moisture. Uh, they help it let air flow through there, and you actually do have to have air to the roots of those plants, folks. And it improves the tilt of that soil. It allows water to circulate through and uh, allows the air to circulate in there and gives it a structure. So there's places for those roots to grow and good contact with all the microorganisms, and you just have to keep adding it in there. And you're going to become great friends with your neighbors because when you see him bagging up his leaves to throw out there by the side of the road, just go pick them up, throw them in your compost heap, 
Uh, he'll love it. You might even be able to get his kid to bring the bags over and deliver it to you if he doesn't like seeing it out there. My neighbor's got a right. bunch of big pecan trees and a, and a yard vacuum. And uh, I've got an area that I'm working on, uh, going to open up in a couple of years, and I'm laying leaves and, and uh, stuff out there now, sheet composting it. And when he takes his big yard vacuum out there, I just tell him, dump it out in that field. And he'll take it out there and dump it, and I'll uh, I'll run it around a little bit and spread it out. And he delivers it. He's happy. He doesn't have to bag it and get it out of the way. Doesn't have to carry it out to the curb or nothing like that. He just delivers it right to my garden. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm lucky that I have uh, large amounts of uh, manure uh, available, too. And uh, I've certainly got, uh, like, I've got uh, several large corrals. And uh, over the course of uh, the year, those corrals may end up, uh, you know, with uh, sometimes even a foot or more of manure, manure mixed with hay and stuff like that, that that I'll actually gather out of there. You know, I'll scrape it up and I'll load it up into the dump truck and take it over and dump it into a pile and, and let it finish its uh, uh, its decomposition. So I'll have large amounts of uh, of really good, uh, uh, you know, available uh, compost material. So I can use that. I can you know put the dry material down, which I'll use uh, old hay, and then uh, some of the uh, the manure that hasn't quite uh, uh, is not quite matured yet, and then uh, a little bit of the uh, uh, the uh, sandy loam that I've got and uh and I can make a really uh, a really good quality uh soil, really good quality compost uh for and large amounts of it for very little. One other thing that I keep forgetting to tell folks, uh when I'm getting them going on their manure pile, I tell uh, on their compost pile is to water it every time they water their garden. Because if you don't keep it moist it won't work. So when you water no, your garden, water your compost heat. Right, right. Your, the compost, uh, it's got to be moist. As I said, it needs to be kept at uh, a level of about like a damp sponge and uh, uh, in order for it to work. And you need to, when you're hot composting, you've got to make sure that you keep the temperature up at, uh, at a high enough range that you are killing the bacteria and that you are killing the seeds and stuff, the weed seeds and stuff like that. So that, uh, so that especially if you're using uh, uh, animal manure, because uh, that's going to have E. coli, and you want to make sure that you've you've killed off, uh, you know, as much of that as possible. All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for the show tonight. I want to thank everybody for uh, for listening in, and uh, thank Sam for uh, for being here and. And uh, every time I'm every time I'm here, Sam is here, and uh, I'm not exactly sure what uh, exactly sure what we're going to do this coming uh, Thursday, uh, but uh, but we will be here uh, 7 p.m. Central, and uh, and we want to uh, uh, one last thing I want to let you know is that. <clears throat> The uh, the books are open for registration for the uh, uh, 
Battle Road uh, Run and Gun Biathlon. Uh, you can go to www.battleroadusa.com, and uh, at the top of the page, you'll see uh, the Zombie Destruction Biathlon. You click on that, and it'll take you to the information page, and there's a, uh, a sign-up link there that you can use to sign up. We're already The tickets are already flying out the door. Uh, if you haven't been or if you don't know what I'm talking about, the uh, running gun is a four-and-a-half-mile looping trail, stations for rifle and pistol along the trail, and uh, then man-made and natural obstacles between each of the stations. And uh, the the reason that we do this is so that folks uh, have a chance to see how their shooting skills, their physical stamina, and their gear all need to work together in order for you to be uh, successful. Uh, you can go to the range and shoot. A lot of times they want you to just uh, stand in the box and shoot one round every couple of seconds. And certainly they don't want you wearing any gear or anything like that. A lot of times they don't want you drawing. Uh, they don't want uh, anything. <clears throat> or you can... Uh, you can put on all your gear minus your rifle and go running around the streets and you may or may not get uh get uh marked for uh for further uh inspection by homeland security uh, but here we want you to put on all your gear uh we want you to take off on a good uh, four and a half mile uh, course and uh we want you to shoot along the way and we want you to negotiate obstacles along the way so that you can see how your gear works. Uh, you may not have had it on uh, all at once before. You may find out that uh, that you want to wear, maybe it's not going to be the perfect one for you. Maybe you needed to do some alterations to it. Uh, you, you'll find out pretty quick. You do a mile and a half, two miles with a bad backpack, and you get a bloody blister on your shoulder, you'll find out. Maybe you can't uh, reach your... Uh, extra magazines with all your gear on, or carried in a certain way. It, it, it's you'll you'll find out uh, what works and what doesn't by being able to move around in your gear. You'll find out how your body works, how you shoot when you're tired, uh, or whenever you are wearing all your gear. Uh, it's just a great way to do this in a fun and safe uh, environment with a hundred of your uh, of your best friends uh, running the same course with you. All right. So for more information, go to www.battleroadusa.com, and uh, and you can read the info there, and you can sign up. Okay, guys, uh, we'll see you this next Thursday, 7 p.m. Central. Until then, God bless and keep you.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.